not happen for an age. Then What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Enmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 51 of the podcast. We made it past the hump, we're over the half century and we're heading on to the 111st birthday at some point in the next two, three years? I don't know, it depends how how, uh, eager we are and how enthusiastic you continue to be about the podcast thank you very much for all the the lovely comments about the 50th birthday episode we'll be delving into some of your ideas about the 50 point army lists that uh, we were coming up with uh, throughout the last podcast if you haven't heard that one do check it out it's all kind of recorded on site at the uh, warhammer world uh, grand tournament so that's all very exciting but this one is all about the grey havens the gathering of the grey havens this is a tournament up in preston and I thought because it's the gathering of the Grey Havens, I'm going to do an army that's got a rather a little bit of grey in it. Uh, more on that later. Uh, we'll build an army in a few minutes' time. Um, also, excited about the uh, painting of the new Easterling heroes. Um, they will return. Of course, very excited about the uh, the new heroes, Rotabian Brawl Gear. Um, you can see uh, my job painting them on the old uh, YouTube channel, Battle Games in Middle Earth, uh, which is uh, all exciting. And so I've just loved, loved painting those guys. And uh, they will form an army for um, the next tournament I head off to. Also, um, the previous episode, we've got lots of episodes that are kind of multi-threads running through the podcast at the moment, um, and uh, the, the the Slow Grow League that I'm taking part in, which I had part one of a few weeks ago, um, that will uh, come to its finale very, very soon. We've had most of the games, and uh, there will be now only a couple more games left in the final episode of the podcast, so that's really potentially very exciting um for for the league so uh, really excited about that um and and also doing very well in it so we we shall see we shall see also we'll see how we do in this podcast later on we'll have um the we'll also have the riddle in the dark later as well uh, we'll resolve the the quiz that we've left over since episode 50 no 49 so very exciting lots coming up on the podcast but first let's build myself an army So yes, this one is worthy of Mordor, and it's certainly worthy of the Pelennor. This is an army that I've run before, and um, I had pretty good um, time with it, actually. I think it was, um, trying to remember, I think I did use this for the Throne of Schools tournament a couple of years ago before COVID, trying to think it must have been a long, it was a long time ago now, Um, and before that I had some success with it at... uh, a tournament in the uh, middle of the country here, the uh, battle for unnumbered tears, I think it was anyway, it was something similar to that, and um, pretty much just straight after it came out, I, I used the Mummock. Oh, I've already revealed it. <laughs> I, I used the Grand Army of the South Legendary Legion. So this is, um, yeah, I think this is, I, I think it has potential to be a, 
a winning army um, for me. Uh, I've really enjoyed using it. Uh, it's got a lot of potential. It's got a lot of fun to be had. You know, people killing a mummock and you ki- using a mummock to kill things is really good. It's good fun. Um, so many special rules. I won't be able to delve into all of them um, because it'll just get boring and long-winded. But uh, let's start delving into this army list. This is the Grand Army of the South. And the army uh, points limit for the tournament is unusually 678, 678. I guess they didn't want to stray too far away from the 6 on the keyboard and just decided to go 6, 7, 8 up. So... Let's start with the General's Warband, which is the Mummock War Leader. He's 400 points. He comes with the Gnarled Hide, which is the Defence 8, so he's a Defence 8 Mummock. Uh, it comes with Tusk Weapons, which means he does 4 Strength 9 hits every time he comes into base contact with someone. So that is meaty. Uh, he also has the Sigils of Defiance. Uh, so this is uh, resistant to magic for anyone standing on the Howder. Uh, that's the big thing on the back of the Mummock. And also it gives you a 6 plus fate save while you're in the uh, Howder and on the Howder. So that's pretty good. Uh, protecting your leader from magic and, uh, and any particular bowfire, which could be useful. Um, and also you get the War Leader himself who is a beast, and he comes with a Royal War Mummock, which is fight five rather than fight four. So when it's in combat, it's a bit better at killing troops. Um, Still not amazing at killing heroes, but, you know, good enough. Um, He also has uh, some awesome special rules. Uh, The first one is that on a... Every time someone declares a heroic move within 12 inches, you can roll a four plus. No, sorry, the first time someone declares a heroic move, that's worth pointing out, you can roll a dice on a four plus, that one's cancelled. People can still then carry on and call another one, but uh, either way, Mummocks like going first, so cancelling people's moves, draining their might is amazing. So that's awesome. Uh, You also, in this Legion, you get a special rule uh, where it's Harbinger of Evil, so it's minus one to your courage, but also, this is really cool, uh, you get to call a heroic strike, or heroic combat, although I think most of the time you're calling a strike, um, if you're in combat with the enemy leader. So, imagine, who in your army is going to beat a Mummock? It's probably going to be a leader, right? we get a free heroic strike against them. The other heroes, you know, if you've got two big heroes, then that's great. But, you know, you don't necessarily want to whack them all in front of your leader. So this is this is really cool. Um, so, yeah, I really like it. The The trample is great. The, the, the heroic strike is amazing. And everything uh, about it, it just is a load of fun. So uh, he's the start, 400 points. So we've got 278 points left to spend. So let's go with eight Haradrim warriors with bow on uh, poison bows, actually, on the Howder. 56 points, not bad, all sorted, uh, 7 points, eight, uh, each 8 bows uh, in the army already, that's great. So, Warband 2, Suladan, with horse and bow. So here's your banner, banner, important, we like that. Here's your march, we've got a march on the war leader, but um, this is useful, we've got some speed, we've got another bow, and we importantly have a, a hero who can do a lot of damage, who you do not care about him dying, because, let's be honest, your general, the mummock, that's the one that's going to survive, and it's going to draw the fire. So throw Suladan in. It's going to wreck face, or it's going to detract, detract bow shots or whatever. So, you know, we like Suladan. Uh, he's also got the banner, as I say. So in banner scenarios, you can just protect him. Uh, maybe even just hide him out, completely ignore everyone else. Uh, then we've got two Haradrim raiders with war spears. So war spears are lances while they're um, on horseback, or just spears when they're not. And Haradrim raiders are very cheap, 12 points each, but they're fight three, so not great. But hey, the war spears, the lancers, they hit like a glass cannon. Uh, then we've got six serpent riders as well. So these are slightly better. Uh, they're the same, except they're fight four. Pretty good. 
I think they're courage for as well, maybe. Yeah, uh, 78 points for them. So grand total, 678 points. This is very exciting. So that's a grand total of 678 points. Six points of might, so a bit low on the might front. But, you know, I'm draining some of their might and I've got a mummock. So, you know, all I need to do is get one or two marches off. Uh, sorry, marches, uh, move-offs in my favour to pin down heroes, to trample over, um, hit their heroes. All it takes is, you know, a one captain easily killed, minor heroes easily killed, and so suddenly I'm balancing out my um, my might. And also, of course, if I, uh, if I uh, get the leader, I'm forcing them to strike often because I get a free strike. So this is really cool. We've got nine bows, one in uh, Suladan, so that's okay. Uh, not often likely to use that, I'd have thought, um, unless... I've got the m most bows, which is probably rare, but it's useful to have the bows. You can shoot into combat with the uh, bows on top of the mummock, so there's lots of cool bits and bobs. But crucially, this is this, uh, the construction of my army is thus that there's 19 models, and on uh, in Suladan's warband there's nine. So 19 models actually includes the uh, mummock because of course he still only counts as one. Um, so we've got nine models on the floor, ten including the mummock and the guys on the howdah. So quite difficult to break my army you're either going to have to shoot the um, warriors out of the howder of course they've got, always got in the ways so they've got a 6 plus save and also you've got their bowfire to help you of course as well so lots to contend with in this army I really like it, I think it's fun I think it's cool I think it hits like a well, like a stampeding elephant and also the horses with lancers so we'll see how it goes but first Yes, Riddles in the Dark. This is the part of the podcast where I play a clip from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies. And all you have to do is tell me who speaks next and what they say. So uh, we're looking back now to episode 49 of the, uh, of the podcast where we played this little clip for you. Yes, there you go. So who speaks next and what do they say in that clip? We'll have the answer in a couple of seconds' time. But first, this is also the part of the podcast where we delve into the email inbox, entmoopodcast at gmail.com, uh, and see if there's any uh, answers to the riddle and any other questions that might be kicking around. First, uh, I'm going to delve into the box and have a look at uh, the people who've contributed ideas for the last part of the uh, uh, the, the 50th episode, actually. Um, in which I was talking about, you know, ideas people might have for a 50-point army list. So the concept was you've got 50 points to spend in a 50-point tournament. You don't need to spend, uh, have any heroes if you don't want. It can just be troops. What would your army be? So let's have a delve into some of the uh, comments we've had on the Entmoot uh, Facebook page and, of course, into the email inbox, entmootpodcast.gmail.com, before we go into... Uh, the answer to the riddle. So first, George Harold says, I've actually been thinking quite a lot about your 50-point lists. I'd go with two vanilla Corsairs, two Corsairs with shield, and two Arbalesters. Ooh, that's interesting. So we've got... I think Corsairs come with throwing weapons as standard, don't they? So if that's the case, six models with throwing weapons and some crossbows as well. So yeah, there's some oomph there, George. Really like it. Um, 
I wonder I wonder whether that would be enough, though. Uh, I can't remember who it was in the previous episode, the 50th episode. Uh, someone suggested a Castellan of Dol Guldur. I think if the Castellan uh, survived the shooting, which I'd have thought it would do, I think eight will as fate points, it's high defence, I think you'd probably struggle to take it down in combat. But I suppose you've got the trap and then you've got the wound bonus. Yeah, I can see see it working well. Nice nice suggestion, George. Thanks for getting in touch. Uh, what have we got next? We've got Andrew Jr., who on Facebook suggested Fatty Bolger. Yes! Great choice. We need to get a start off with Fatty Bolger in every army list, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, two Hobbit militia, two Hobbit archers, and two Hobbit sheriffs. Lethal, he says. Um, excellent. So you've got seven models there. You've got an unarmed Hobbit and six Hobbits. I mean, I'll, I'll easily dismiss it, but actually, seven thrown stones is not to be sniffed at. And a couple of bows. And you've got the sheriffs who can stun and all that sort of stuff. I mean... I think it's going to struggle, personally, but I like the idea, Andrew. Things are getting in touch a little bit. Uh, what else have we got? We've got Nathan Talbot, who's trying to uh, play with the game a little bit, but he says, I've done the maths, and it's a great beast minus the crew, and that'll just about fit. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I think... I think if you don't have any crew following the war beast... I know you're taking the piss, but I think that if you don't have the crew, you have to follow the stampede rules every turn because uh, you, you don't have a have anyone in charge of the crew, so it just rambles around aimlessly. Either you're in control or I'm in control, so I'm not convinced that that would do very well, but I like the idea, and actually I love the idea of uh, Great Beasts minus the crew um, pulling Grond and things like that. That would be really super-duper cool. Thanks for getting in touch, Nathan, as ever. Uh, Robert Graham says, "Enjoyed the show. Wish I could. Uh, wish I could have been there this weekend. That was the GT. Uh, my fifty points would probably be Holfoot Brace Girdle and four sheriffs. Sheriffs. That's five fight three hobbits with a plus one strength. Although it's not plus one strength, it's plus one to wound, which is slightly better. Um, and he says that could be quite fun. Either that." Or a Barrow White. Yeah, I think someone suggested Barrow White in the podcast. I forget who, um, but it's a good idea. Um, I actually really like your uh, Holfoot idea. So you've got a bit of might in there. So you've got the, the move off at least once. Um, you've got, a, yeah, the, the plus one is, I mean, they're only strength two normally, aren't they? So plus one to wound is, you know, it's, it's not to be sniffed at. I think that's great. Um, I think it's got it's got potential. Again, though, I think the, some of the bats and some of the other things that people were suggesting are just uh, in the podcast last week were pretty hard. I love the idea, though. It really gets you thinking about something a bit different, doesn't it? Paul Harris says, 10 Moria Goblins with nothing. Just 10 Moria Goblins. So the Defence 5, yeah, I, I mean, in this instance, I think the number is is actually probably going to really help you. Um, I'd love it. I'd love to see. I'd love, we should definitely do this at uh, one of my tournaments. Maybe at Lord of the Imps this year we should have a 50-point tournament. Although I, I, I feel like um, this is a, a kind of stealing from the Seven Stones. Uh, seven stone oh no it's no it wasn't it wasn't seven stones that's a tournament um that does something else it's like a, a ring of death or i can't remember what they do and they give heroes extra might points if they're under um fatty bulger has done well in that in the past um i'm thinking of the palantir the old gbhl podcast which never quite made it to 100 episodes uh check it out on youtube if you if you don't quite know what i mean it's very good um 
they used to have a 50 point bat rep at the end of each thing um and i, I think airwind was doing very well in it at one point but anyway uh, I, I digress 10 more goblins great i love it i think that's uh, got the potential tim garlic has suggested 10 hedgehogs and I mean, 10 Sebastians would be pretty good, wouldn't it? Um, they, it always seems to be when you're fighting against Sebastian and uh, Radagast. It's never Radagast who does the wound. It's always the hedgehog that does the work. So, don't know them. Love it. Love the idea. Uh, John Silverfox says, enjoyed the show. He says, five Urukai warriors with the shield. Yeah, I, I, I actually responded to this one. Um, I thought, I think maybe three warriors with shield and two pikes. And then, you know, if the opponent has something like a, I don't know, uh, a, a Castell and a Dolgilda, you can you can whack the first guy in and then Pike support him. And then you can just trap them with the other one but not actually have to charge so they don't kill more than one person a turn and eventually you're going to take him out. But that was my idea. Um, I like uh, I like the idea, though. Urukai just solid, don't they? Fight for, courage for, all that sort of stuff. Tom Hawker, uh, final suggestion, says, how about four Iron Guard? Dwarves for the win. I think they're four thirty. Are they thirteen or are they fourteen? I feel like you might only get. What's that? Yeah, I think you might only get three for fifty. Or am I? No, they're fourteen. So yeah, yeah. So that's forty-eight, isn't it? Wait, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing bad maths here. No, no, it's not. That's not enough. Anyway, uh, either way, Tom, I like the idea. Iron Guard, good idea. Two attacks, defense six, throwing weapons, fight four. We were only once. Yeah. I can see that working, although I'm not convinced you get enough. Uh, either way, thanks very much for all those suggestions. Lovely idea. Uh, I'm glad people enjoyed the 50th episode of the podcast. If you have any other comments, any other suggestions for 50-point army lists, do get them in entmookpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, Albert Geordi uh, has been getting in touch. Uh, he says, love this episode. This was episode 49, uh, talking about the Slow Grow League. He says, always love a good Slow Grow. In fact, we're going to be covering a Slow Grow in our local area in a couple of upcoming episodes. I swear we had this planned in advance of hearing this episode. Honest, this is the Two Towers podcast. Um, on to the riddle he says if last episode's riddle was impossible this one was on the easier side it is of course during the muster of rohan at dunharrow and then he goes on to say the right um answer he says i know a, a nice nod to your rohan logo surely with the release of the new eastling heroes it's a chance for harry parkill captain of the eastlings to show his quality i look forward to hearing how they fare on the tabletop keep up the good work as always I'll be testing them out in the next episode, so do stay tuned. Uh, and also continuing this logo in the next one. Uh, episode 49 riddle, uh, this is from Callum Moorsman uh, into entmootpodcast.gmail.com. He says, really enjoyed this episode and seeing how everyone's lists evolved during the league. Yeah, I I, I mean, obviously it'd, be, it'd kind of be nice to talk to everyone at each stage of the process just to see sort of their logic behind each step, but that's just that would make for quite a complicated uh, episode, I think. But it is nice hearing the kind of progression and what people are planning to add or what they've come from as well. Uh, he says he'll definitely be suggesting something similar to my local group in North Wales as we've just had a few new players join, myself included. I've just finished fully painting my 400-point Rivendell army, so I've been inspired to do the same and start painting what I need for the next 500, to make it 500. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I do think it's a really good way of doing it, especially for local players. A lot of people say uh, battle companies... Um, I think if I'd have been shown battle companies at the start when I wasn't invested in the game, I wouldn't have ever gotten into SBG because I hate those kind of RPG-style 
um, add bits and bobs to your characters, and then you have to glue a new thing on or a shield on or whatever. I just it doesn't it doesn't do it for me. And I know some people love it. Um, and I, I'm not not to dismiss people's ideas. And I love how people can get so invested in their models and and convert and create names and stories and great things. And you know, I love all that. But I love that, or I love that people enjoy it. But it's not for me. So I think slow grow is absolutely the way to start uh, people's forces, uh, SBG you know, games because you can you can start lower than four hundred. I think two hundred um, is absolutely fine, or even a hundred. I mean, two hundred is probably the best one. But um, if you start with two hundred points, you can get a hero and a warband basically, and then you get to understand the vague, uh, you know, how it works and all that sort of stuff. Have a couple of goes, maybe swap armies with people, and then, you know, next time round, you've got your 300 and you can work out whether you want more heroes, and 400 is about when the time you actually know what you're doing, and um, I think you, by that point, you, you've got a decent army as well, and, you know, potentially a tournament-ready army, because there are tournaments out there between four, 450, 500, 550, I know um, in July I'll be going to one in Cardiff that's uh, 450 points, and Callum, you mentioned uh, you're in North Wales, so maybe maybe you're willing to travel down to Cardiff uh, for that, and uh, stay in the country, but go to one of the biggest uh, events in the uh, in the Great British Hobbit League as well, so... Uh, anyway, uh, moving on from to the next bit, you say the riddle in the dark was very tricky this time, and I had to re-listen to the clip several times. And if I'm correct, it's during the mustering of the Rohirrim at Dunharrow when the horses are frightened, being so close to the paths of the dead. He thinks, Callum thinks, Legolas speaks next and says, "The horses are restless and the men are quiet." Let's find out if you're right, Callum. <laughs> The horses are restless, and the men are quiet. Bang on the money. And as both you and Albert said, uh, th- this is, of course, a hint at the Slow Grow League. The, uh, the, not quite the Paths of the Druidin, because we don't have a Paths of the Druidin. We do have Paths of the Dead in the film, so I thought I'd smash into that and go for that one. So with that in mind, let's see what this week's riddle in the dark is. <laughs> Okay, so that is the clip. You've just got to tell me who speaks next and what they say. Uh, of course, I'll repeat it right at the end of the podcast as well. Uh, if you're listening, you're driving or whatever, you can always rewind back uh, rather than trying to find the exact moment. It's right at the end of the podcast. Let's hear it one more time now, though. Okay, I'll give you one more chance. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next and what they say. There you go. That's the uh, riddle in the dark. And of course, as I say, um, do keep your messages coming in, um, comments on the uh, podcast. Uh, how do you think I get on uh, with my army? Uh, what do you think to the sort of the idea of my army, the 678 points of Mummock War Leader and Co? Uh, what do you think to your 50 point army list? Send in any of your ideas, any of your comments, what you might like to hear about in upcoming podcasts at all in entmootpodcast at gmail.com. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, you'll be featured in an upcoming episode. But in the meantime, we've heard the army, we've heard the uh, the build-up, we've heard my kind of rundown of everything, and we'll hopefully hear from a winner later on. But first, we've got to start the first game. So let's go on an adventure up to Preston, not too far away from Manchester, and head to the Gathering in the Grey Havens. (laughs) 
Stop! I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! So, the start of the gathering at the Grey Havens here in Preston, and it's only halfway through the, uh, the first game, and already we've finished playing up against Connor Kerr. So, Connor, um, first of all, we've got 678 points to spend, an unusual one. What have you come up with uh, for your army today? A 700 point dwarf army that you remove like two models from, <laughs> and then it becomes a 678 point army. Exactly right. So, um, first of all, obviously, I've got a Mummock War Leader, I've got a load of cavalry with war spears. Uh, we're playing Storm the Camp, so if you don't know the one, it's where you start in the corners. You've got to try and take pictures of this camp. Often ends in a draw. Connor, uh, what did you think when you saw the the, the war leader uh, over the over the table, uh, opposite corners to you? What did you What did you think? Did you have a plan? Uh, not really, no. I I figured you would waltz into the camp and say, "I have ten models in your camp," yeah, because they're all on my mimic. Um So I tried to scatter out and avoid it which worked for some of the army unfortunately not the characters yeah i was a bit greedy with them yeah i i, I don't know whether that was a bad move but because the only thing that can basically stop the mummock stampede is during all the king's champion yeah. defense nine because everything else i'm the chances i'm gonna unless i get really unlucky i'm gonna uh, tr trample through it all but um yeah they did king's champion in particular got a sticky end quite early on without without having any i don't think he had any heralds in base contact yeah, with him at the time i'd forgotten that if it was defense eight you would have actually been wounding me on force oh, so if you just yeah. had one yeah if i'd thrown that one in then i might have survived it yeah. i think i think it was i think i got the i think i got three wounds yeah. so i killed him in one but if you'd have had the thing it might have been uh, might it have been different yeah, yeah. But uh, having said that, there's like five, six hobbit holes, that sort of thing, over the table. Very, very clear avenues of, of trampleage. The, yeah. the, it made it very easy. There's not a lot of terrain. Um, there's a couple of little weird bridges that make it a bit awkward for me. But generally, I had a good chance, and I got probably 10 or thereabouts kills fairly quickly off the initial trample. Yeah. But Durin held me up for a good few turns. Yeah, Durin, he did, he did okay. Um, I, I think I got very lucky with the priorities, because mm. you were having to call a lot of moves... I don't think I even used Durin's ring. No, you no. didn't. No. Um, I just kept winning that, and the MVPs, obviously the dwarf bowmen. They were absolutely insane. You had like three or four, or three bowmen and one ranger, or yeah. was it maybe one extra. Four bowmen and a ranger. Yeah. yeah. And and they absolutely annihilated my uh, Haradrim bows. I think uh, I think you killed four or something in the end of the shooting, or four or five maybe. Uh, and then a lot of them jumped off in the end. But <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. I think uh, three of them. It would be four a shot off. And yeah. I might have got a serpent guard as well. I don't yeah, know. I think so. You did. You did some cracking shooting. And considering you got in the ways, I've got the six up, invulnerable save thing from the the sigils of defiance on the thing. So, really, I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have been losing that many. And I killed one of them um, from shooting. I think. But right on the first turn. Yeah. yeah. And then after that, they just did not perform particularly well at all. But Retired. maybe they were too scared. They yeah. were too scared of, of the uh, the dwarf bowmen. But um, having said that. The great thing about my army is that I can I can charge my serpent guard in, try and kill some stuff, but rely largely on the mummock. Mm. And and I think that that um, plan, that tactic, pretty much paid off because although the serpent guard did charge and they did take off a few guys in the early turns, Suladan did some damage in the early turns, but mostly he was just kind of flouncing around, not uh, charging one guy and not killing him. So there was a lot of faff, but I did end up breaking you with the mummock basically. Yeah, I, biggest mistake. I should have left more guys in the camp. Because uh, given that you killed all your guys, if I'd had like two in the camp, you would have no longer outnumbered. Uh, but sadly, the one dwarf who climbed off a bridge 
uh, drowned. <laughs> yeah. So he was trying to, trying to hide in a little alcove behind a bridge that I was never going to get with a mummock. But yeah, that, that was a rotten luck for you. But I, th I think I just, I just managed to end the game by basically going, well, I'll jump all my guys off the, the mummock. Um, and I had so it meant I had three three models into the in the uh, in the base. I had Suladan still alive on the other side of the battlefield, trying vaguely to kill guys, but failing largely. Um, you did capture my camp. I captured yours, but crucially, a big fight in the middle, Durin against the Mumak war leader. And dwarves are resilient, but a big elephant did trample yeah, on him you eventually. Got exactly, exactly enough wounds to beat him. And yeah. sadly, uh, he rolled the six on his fate roll, not the fury. If yes. it was the other way around, you would have still had the fate to save it. But. That's, that is true, yeah, because we had the combat. I trampled into you. You, you realised you're going to have to, at some point, take the hit. Yeah. I took maybe a couple of wounds off on the trample and then, yeah, just knocked him over and won the combat because I get a free heroic strike against your leader, which is yeah. amazing. Yes, it's a... Uh, quite a deadly beast it's a very deadly beast it's a big boy uh, and it ended up being a victory to me and um, so dwarves they're probably one of the few armies that that you know you're really relying on your high defense but this is one of the few armies where your de your defense means here. absolutely yeah. nothing yeah. yeah so uh seven four i think it was to me yes, so i took your four. base you took my base i killed your leader uh, and we both broke in the end yeah. so uh that was game over but we've got plenty of time now for lunch it's seven yeah. four. that's the one thing about a mummock is that the game is not long and drawn out it's either you kill the mummock and it ends quickly or i kill your stuff and it ends quickly and yeah. that's what happened well, it was a good game. It was a good game, Connor. Thanks for, thanks for the game. Thanks very much. Cheers. So, game two, we're playing Clash by Moonlight, and after the success of the uh, Grand Army of the South, we move on to table number six. Not bad, not bad. And against Sean Spruill, or Sproul. How do I say it? Sproul? Sproul, Sproul, Sproul. Whatever we go for. Uh, so, and, and not just a, a, a opponent for the weekend but uh, sort of uh, we sort of travelled up together we've got the uh, the old house uh, sharing it so it's, it's it feels like a bit of a, a clash of friends at the moment a clash of the titans yeah you know I, I, could, I could pretend and say it felt bad to win but you know yeah it was it was a real battle of friends there yeah it really was it was, it was good work so um, first of all before we get into the detail of how I how I came to a grisly end uh, just give us a run through of your 678 point army yeah so um, I, I, I thought I'd take a random collection of heroes uh, and ended up taking four hobbits uh, two of the greatest men alive one of the elves and uh, a representative of the dwarves so I took the breaking of the fellowship excellent excellent so you're actually playing quite a significant number of points under right Is about 78 points under 78 um yeah on paper it's a lot of points but the the army gets a lot of bonuses for free which probably just make up a lot more of that than points yeah there's a, there's a lot of lot of magical uh, powers and uh, well you get what the blinding light you've got which you didn't use you didn't use the blinding light. I've just remembered now. <laughs> I was thinking about <laughs> oh god oh, the way that would have helped you a bit but uh, it, you know uh, <laughs> not that much in the end so um walk me through it. you saw the the mama killed the table is pretty much no terrain there's there's a section of woodland right in the middle and what what did your what was your game plan did you fancy your chances in this one yeah so i i knew i'd have to kill everything basically to, to win the scenario and there, there is one piece of terrain on the board which is a forest and we'd sort of said oh does the movement go through the forest or not and we were still a bit inconclusive but i could see you'd set up around your army on either side so I, I just ran up to the forest and you split up and then I think I don't know if you're expecting it but I kind of jumped on one half of the army hoping to wipe it out before the moment got there yeah I, I thought in, in this one um, I, I can't get into the woodland I, I, I think because you can't move your base into it I don't think you can so I, I was thinking well I've got I've got to deal with it somehow I think splitting my army maybe it was the wrong idea but I don't know uh, what do you think 
Um, I mean, I could see what you're trying to do, and I think you're trying to shepherd me towards the Mumuk, maybe. And I did dither for a few while at the start of there was there was basically one turn where I could decide to charge the Mumuk or charge the horses. Um, and I went for the horses, thinking, well, I kill them on fours, wipe them out, and then just deal with the Mumuk at the end, um, which. I, th I think was the right choice, but it, it, there was a bit of risk. You know, I think the all hero armies, there's always a bit of risk for if you, fl if you fail any of the hurt combats, then actually you end up in trouble. The thing, I suppose, with, with that half of my army is that it needs to get the charge. It needs to be doing some movement and stuff like that. And once I'd charged once, I, I, you know, it was relying on getting a move off. And you've got all the might in the world. So um, once you'd, you'd kind of moved and capitalised on that, they really do fall down fast. But that wasn't the worry. I wasn't worried about them. I don't care if they die, really. It's nice if they kill stuff but I don't care if they die it all came down to the mummock really and as you said the, sh the shooting which yeah if you did them blinding light that would have been really useful for the whole game I, I'm, I'm never gonna forgive myself <laughs> here now that you've just told me I had blinding light and I, I and I even said I actually said it to myself at the start I was like I've got Frodo in blinding light so I should win a shooting war in this case but yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't I know mean, what happened there. Yeah, because every turn I was shooting into combat, so I was doing all the different stuff that I, I can do. I mean, I ended up sh killing a lot of my own, uh, taking a lot of wounds off my mummock with you it. You did take a lot of wounds off your own mummock, so it might have negated that and I'd have had a bit more of an uphill climb to, to take off the mummock, so it, it pro probably worked out in my favour even. Yeah, and, and now, the, the, obviously the mummock's power is in the trample uh, and also the, the heroic, com uh, sort of heroic strike against your leader. So how did you deal with that? How were you trying to avoid it? And what did you do to try and, uh, try and avoid the trample yeah so I mean I've, I've got something like 17 might points or something to start off with so um, I knew I could negate the hook move um, by just double spending every turn and I thought I could do that and actually on the very last turn I'd spent my final might point to, to keep that going um, and then I, th I, I thought well I'll set up a few roadblocks each way the first one was Gimli who won the first combat and then got ran over um, and then you got a nice trample into Sam who've just survived it fortunately yeah. and then then your your next trample a few turns later ended up taking out Frodo so I didn't have a particular plan apart from space the guys out and make sure you can't hit more than one at a time and hope someone passes their fate <laughs> yeah exactly and, and that's that is it was a perfect way of doing it in the end I only killed four of the heroes which you know Gimli and and two of the hobbits and who was the other that won uh, I can't got... It was all three of the hobbits. You got, you got all, 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 all the hobbits all except the hobbits Mary. Mary at the yeah. end, yeah. Well, Mary has had a had a, a thing to play at the right at the end, but the most of it was, it's just essentially surrounding it and chopping me, and for a long time just hiding Aragorn in the woods because I can't if I uh, I don't have my free heroic strike without Aragorn, so it kept Aragorn out of combat. But luckily, you've got enough heroes that it doesn't matter. Yeah, it was a shame because I had had a few turns with Frodo in the ring, and so Aragorn could be in there with the, with his sword going two-handed, um, which chipped off a few wounds, but. Um, I, th I think it was the right choice. The instant you managed to smash Frodo, I thought, well, I'll keep Aragorn away. He's just a heroic move every turn, and you don't get a strike off. And basically, then I've always got the fight advantage, which I, I think worked out well. But. Yeah, I, I, my, my, I sort of thought I actually thought that you, you, your army broke when Frodo died, so I probably should have checked before that. But I think it was definitely worth it. It meant you had to take courage checks as well. You're not, uh, you're not fearless anymore. So I thought that was probably the way to do it. But if I kill Aragorn, I actually lose the strike. So I, wa I wanted to kill everything, and then Aragorn have to do the work. Um, but in the end, I, it chopped you down, Boromir. Uh, Legolas and Merry were in um, in the in combat with the Mummock. Aragorn hiding in the trees like a wuss, and and you were just chopping away and chopping away until finally the final wound uh, went, and it was it was Merry who did the deed. Yeah, I, I think that's certainly my most point efficient kill ever with a ten point Hobbit taking down a four hundred point Mummock kill. Um, Plus all the guys who fall off, and all the yet yeah, and the howder full of guys and the war leader on top. So. Um, yeah, I think I think for the first time playing against the Mumuk, and I think our first time playing at a tournament, mm. um, 
what a, what a way to finish the game. Yeah, and it's clashed by Moonlight, which we did mention at the start, but uh, just to remind you, that's the one where you have uh, restricted shooting, but shooting is more powerful, uh, and you have to kill heroes and break the enemy. So it's not, not particularly uh, a complicated scenario. So you just knew you had to face the Mummick down. Ended up being a 12-1 nil. Uh, I did kill one of your heroes, or more than one of your heroes, but uh, that wasn't enough to, to get the, the benefit of the doubt. And you ended up... Um, killing everything but the one Harad guy who survived the fall, which was pretty cool. Um, also, it's worth noting in my previous game, I jumped guys off the howder, which I've since realised you can't do. Um, but it's okay because it wouldn't have changed that result, so it's all fine. Um, but either way, 12-1 against the Mummock. I think your army actually is probably one of the best armies to face against the Mummock because usually I, I love the love facing up against a hero because heroes are the only things that can do the damage and usually that hero is the leader but this time you've got so many other choices other than the leader that you can do do the de deal with so I, I, it works out really well for you and, and but, I mean, cracking scenario well played you, you did take it to pretty much the last rolls because I, I was out of resources by that point mm. and it, it really was my sort of last gasp to kill the Mumuk absolutely and, and a few dice either way, you know, I, there was a situation where Borom, uh, I, I won a combat and I didn't quite kill Boromir. I think I took two wounds or one wound uh, off the three three shots that I had to kill him, so I didn't get that. So li little rolls either way would have really swung the game. And I think I, I love that about this this game and, and the game in general. I, I think this 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 was a perfect example of what I love about SPG because it came came down to every single character doing exactly the way it did. And one had just done slightly different, it would have been, would have been game over for either of us. What, what a great story on the table of just the, the fellowship taking on the Mumuk and yeah one or two little swings either way you know I, I, it was 12-1 but you put up a good fight on the way out yeah I, exactly it's, it, this is all it's an all or nothing army and you know it was nothing in the, in the, in the instance but either way a good game Sean and uh, best of luck on the next one you're going to be riding high with a 12-1 victory oh, yeah. uh, riding high and a big fall after that I suspect <laughs> well, good luck so game three of the gathering in the Grey Havens, playing against Louis Applin, and uh, we're playing Heirlooms of Ages Past, Maelstrom of Battle, I've got my mummock. First of all, Louis, uh, just give us an idea of what you spent your 678 points on. 36 models, um, three main heroes at the fight six, so you had Barlin, Gimli, and a Dwarf King. So this is the Kingdom of Moria? Yes, it's Moria, recl it's Moria reclaimed. Um, the aim of that list is to pack it out with as many warriors as possible for it so you've got a good fighting force um, and then just we got lucky and pinned the mummock at the early start of it all so with that uh, there was much of a march luckily he, did, he got the relic early on yeah. So that that tied up the game. Lucky for you, it did. It did a little bit. It did a little. Yeah. Let's, let's just just before we go into uh, the play by play, you you've got uh, a fair few vault wardens. You've got a, a kind of a mixed arms force. You've got yeah. a bit of everything, haven't you? Yeah. Um, it keeps it balanced on each warband yeah. for it. Either warband, then if it gets caught out, it's got a bit to fight against. Yeah. So it's got a bit of Iron Hill, vault wardens, gazard, bows if it's needed. So yeah. And when when you saw the the the, the Mummock and the this Sullivan and his guards and um, over the table and knew, we knew the scenario before we'd rolled anything, what what were you what were your kind of ideas? What was your strategy? Did you think that you had had the game in the bag? No, never never ever presumed you got the game in the bag. When it's a six heirlooms that could come on randomly, the dwarf's always going to stay together. That's the key to the strength of the force for it. Um, to split it all up against a moment charging would be would have been stupid for it in in, 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 in all play for it. So 
it played I, I bottlenecked my troops a bit before it but I was you know I needed to try and keep it from stop it from trampling and use the scenery to the best of the advantage absolutely yeah yeah and, and, and the scenery did play out quite well in that favour it yeah. did it did there was a good there was a really really tight bottleneck between some ruins uh, in the sort of uh, off centre closer to Louis's board edge basically the, the maelstrom you just landed on your edge I landed on one of my edges yeah. it was all pretty much fine uh, it didn't didn't nobody had spending might so it was pretty straightforward battle in that you sense you got you got one or two charges it just didn't play out for it you got it against Gimli yeah but I took two fate off. Yeah, I took two fate off. Then lost against the Kazagard. Yeah, four four dice, a one, a two, a two, yeah, one, yeah, a one, yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. So good, good start on that. Yeah. And so then we had an and then it, it, it's a lot of the time trying to take the wounds out on it, and that's the issue for it. So you, you then can just sort of sit back. Your objective was still, I'm going to let it die. Yeah. Because you could, I could see the way it was playing out yeah, that yeah. way for it. And then for me, to, for me to then to capture, I had to kill it and make sure I shielded afterwards for it to then play catch up on the game. That, that was the difficulty because the very first turn uh, that I picked up an objective, I dismounted a Haradrim Raider. I was like, okay, I'll try one. And I rolled a six to get the objective, which completely changes the landscape of heirlooms, doesn't it? Like the first turn, not a chance in hell that you were going to get there uh, to mine. It was right on the other side of the board. I knew you had to come for me, so it changed my plan. My mummock veered off into a different direction to go into the middle to try and get a few shots off and wait for you to come to me because I knew you had to come at some point. So the beginning stages, they're always very much a luck game of who's going to get it first yeah. for it. Whoever gets it first has got, it's, it's got such a league in front of the other one because it's six points for one item for it. So even if you do, resi- you know, you can become transfixed, a lot of the time it's on a standalone area, so you... Unless you've got troops that's right near it and everything like that, it's very difficult to go and take it back off the enemy. And of course, because you, you've got um, no speed, really. Yeah, I mean, exactly, you're dwarves. Yeah, yeah. You, you couldn't like circle around me. You couldn't do. A, there was no. So you just had to churn through. And I've got a mummock in the way. That's the thing I've got yeah, so <laughs> to churn through. Tried to kill it. Yeah. Go forward and just try and shield against the cavalry for it. And that was just and just by having luck of the priority rolls that were in my favour for a few turns. And then, luckily, pointing out your point, you know, your break point was a four instead of five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost, I almost uh, killed myself a bit too soon. Uh, but uh, it, the thing was, I had Suladan at the back as well. He had a banner, so I knew I had eight points sat right at the back, like miles away from anything else. So I was just relying on the fact that I can kill everything. I don't care if my, my leader dies. I mean, I do. And I did try. He, he did f- survive the fall uh, yes. once the moment got chopped down after Gimli and the King and Kazadgars and everyone chopped yeah. it up. He survived the fall and then he was sort of running away slowly. Yeah, his courage chest yeah. ran away. And then it came down to a three last archers last turn to try and snipe out, you know, the guy with the heirloom. Yeah. yeah. And that would have brought it down to a five or something like that. It would have been a very close. Five, six in my favour at that point then. It was, then. it was very, very close. And, and for a long time I thought, oh, this is, this is horrible because I've got the objective. I've got the banner. I've got everything in, uh, in my favour. And I knew that I was, I was kind of going to win it. But then there was, it started creeping towards you. Like the chance of you winning over the course of the game started becoming less and less unlikely. And I was like, actually, this is getting worrying. And then it came literally down to the last turn. You had three dwarf archers. And if they'd have gone through Suladan um, but into the heirloom guy behind him, yeah, yeah. then uh, that would have been that would have been a big win from three three archers. Yeah. And because at that point I twenty five percented, it was the last turn coming down to three dice, Louis, and it was that was so tense. That's what makes that's what makes the it's such a great game for it. When you can, what you've got to be able to do in any game that you do is play your opponent right to the end. Your opponent always gets in his head 
that he's got a clear victory. And I, if you always play your opponent right to the end, it gives the, the person a better game for it. And this is what it's all about yeah. for it. If you're always going to go into the mind when, if you've seen yourself lost already for it, then you'll carry on with lose for it. But if you, then you grab a victory back from a, a clear victory in your opponent's favour, it's even more of a sweeter victory. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and that, that is a very good point. And because because if you if you'd have given up, if you'd have given up, gone, oh look, okay, you've got eight points at the back of the board. Yeah, the mummock's in the middle. Okay, I'll kill the mummock, but whatever. You know, that's not that's not going to win me the game. And then you know, we'd shook hands and go off for a beer. It, it would have been a much less exciting final thing. And actually, you did have a chance. It was a small chance, but you did have a chance of winning at the end, which which could have swung it your way. Which some which some you know some people would have wouldn't have bothered with. That's what makes it this. Um, a balanced game yeah. for it. it makes it it makes it you've got to make it a, a, an interesting game for your opponent for it if your opponent always goes away with having they've, found, they've had like a really good close game every time then you, you get him so much more enjoyment further along the way for it the more memorable games because you're going away you're going that time we played that game and it was so close and it was just fantastic and you, you know you, you just had a good time in the moment for it and that's what makes the game such uh, such a cracking thing to do so totally agree Louis uh, so it's an 8-4 win to me in the end just because I had the point in the, the back and, and I did end up uh, I can't remember what the other point so it's 6 for the thing and then 2 for uh, for the banner I did manage to take out your banner and you you because you'd left him uh, unprotected and I got a very lucky shot off on him yeah. 4 or 5 shots against him and just took him out a defence 7 banner I'll, I'll admit that one but either way uh, Louis as you say you, you pulled it right to the end it was really close and I love that you didn't uh, just give in because you had the chance and even though it doesn't didn't pay off it was it made it a really exciting final uh, few minutes so thanks for the game yeah not a problem it's been there uh, it was a pleasure playing so that's day one done and out of the way and i just could not believe it i mean i was properly flummoxed maybe i should ditch uh, ditch the old Eastillings and and stick with these guys i'm doing really well um either way exciting stuff so we've got another day of three more games to go and as with lots of these things the round is drawn sort of in the evening. So I'm looking at it now, and I know I'm playing uh, a, a voice that you've heard on the podcast before, and hopefully we'll hear from him again. Uh, this is Aaron Pullen, and we've played against him before. He has played with uh, spiders in the past, and he smashed me every time he got spiders, lovely armies uh, of spiders. Uh, Rivendell, he's got a Rivendell Knight army. He's done very well with those in the past and uh, podiumed with them. But his main army that he uses most of all is absolutely his Corsairs. And he's got a horde of Corsairs. It's probably peak Corsairs, around 650, 700 points, isn't it? Because you get all the big heroes, I'd imagine, and you get a lot of blokes with bows or, or crossbows. So, yeah, very, very intrigued to play him. Depends a lot on the mission. Um, and I believe, I believe we're playing Storm the Camp. This is an interesting one. I've got a lot of movement, but he's got a lot. Oh, no, it's not a Storm the Camp. Sorry, I think it's Retrieval. Retrieval, that's right, yes. So this is the Capture the Flag one. It's a bit similar, similar sort of vibes. I'm, I was getting the two mixed up. Um, so, whew, do you think we can handle it? Let's find out. Let's go to the tables on day number two, the Gathering of the Grey Havens, and see if I can... Finally, finally uh, beat Aaron Pullen. I think I beat him the first time we ever played when he was quite new to the game. Now maybe I can bring it back and uh, get myself some wins. And then who knows, I could be on that podium come the end of the day. Let's find out. 
So game four on day two here at the gathering at the Grey Havens. I've got my Mamuk, uh, Grand Army of the South, and I've got, um, what was it, Retrieval was the scenario. Uh, and this is the one where there's sort it's kind of like capture the flag. You divide your board into, a qu into quarters, uh, and then everyone deploys with a, an objective halfway onto their own field. You've got to try and move that objective around a little bit. I'm playing against Aaron Pullen. Aaron, it's the, I think we worked out probably the fourth or fifth time we played at tournaments, and we're getting close. To, uh, to our, our sort of a level, um, level sort of win-loss ratio with one another. But uh, first of all, to, uh, give us a, a rundown of your 678-point army. So I've got the Corsairs of Umber. Um, I've got 50 models, uh, maxed out, well, not maxed out, but nearly maxed out on crossbows. Um, 15 crossbows. Uh, got my usual Dalamir, Dalgimir, Boson, and uh, Captain. Um, consists of 30-odd throwing weapons in the list. So it does pack a punch at range. It's got the numbers, um, essentially two banners in there. So quite a good all-round list, I think. It is very solid. Um, with that in mind, you come up against the, the Mummock War Leader, something that can churn through troops easily. Um, what, what did you think? Did you have a plan in mind? Did you fancy your chances in this scenario? Uh, as soon as I saw you at the moment, I was um, thinking, oh God, not this again, not this again. <laughs> um, but I know I can take the moment with the amount of shots and everything I have. Um, obviously aim for the moment, war leader, take him out and then make it stampede. Um, unfortunately, my shots were not that accurate in this game. Um, they were pretty poor. I mean, you got the, the worst side of the probability at almost every shooting. I mean, you know, say you're rolling three dice and you're hitting on fours, you were always getting one hit out of those three rather than the two. And it's always rounding down for you at least, doesn't it? It was, yeah. It was an uh, uphill struggle with the uh, with them hits. Um, even if they had like even odds, um, I reckon I could have pulled it off. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, the dice gods abandoned me. Yeah, they absolutely did. I I, I, I won't I, I won't sugarcoat that you did. You, your shooting was very poor. Um, you know, I, I know there's a lot of in the ways and all that sort of stuff, but with a defence five hero with three wounds and two fate, with 15 crossbows, you you back your odds to, to get there, even if there isn't in the way in a six plus armor save uh, on the on the howder. But either way, it, it was it was very unlucky. But just walk us through what the, the rest of the field uh, the battle went because I left um, my serpent riders at the back and Suladan and, and two Haradrim raiders set out on the quest to get the the objective because. Is it a light object? A mummock can't pick up a light object. So uh, how did how did you work out the rest of the field? So it planned out how I wanted it actually. So I was expecting the war mummock to come into my objective. Um, obviously, keep some guys there to force the mummock to come to me. Mm -hmm. um, I knew or kind of knew your serpent riders wouldn't dare come out because obviously they'll just get dismounted and it leaves you open then for me to get your objective. Um, but you decided to hold the Serpent Riders back, which is a very good play, so it forced me to come to you. So as soon as your Mummock was basically on top of my Relic, I decided to a runner for it and uh, go for your Relic. Um, coming to end game then, I managed to uh, pick the Relic up as planned. Um, I just needed a couple more turns, I think, to uh, retrieve that Relic back into my deployment. But unfortunately, um, we roll the dice, and uh, first dice roll yeah. is a one or a two, and it ends. It's like Yeah, it, <laughs> the dice gods really did betray you once more there, didn't they? I I, I wondered, and, and I just sort of, uh, while you were talking there, I think, did, do you think you'd left too many guys back? Because if you'd have put less than half your army at the back and flooded the other side of the field with uh, with more than half your army, I wouldn't have been able to break you and therefore end the game. Do you think that could have worked? Uh, possibly, yes. Um, 
but then I reckon as soon as you see me flanking around the moment it's going to immediately turn right around to go back to your relic yeah. and then my half of the armor is going to be destroyed yeah. so I needed to bait you to have more I wanted more models in my deployment to keep the Mummock in that position. It was all about timing, wasn't it? Yeah. As if you got your the, the the other half of your army onto the retreat, uh, the objective just in time, bef uh, um, maybe the first turn you broke, which exactly is exactly what happened. You had the objective, or I think you heroic combated into the objective on the uh, on the, the turn that you broke. Yeah. So therefore, it was just one turn after that you thought, okay, I can move away. You got the points for moving it away, but just needed the extra two or three points you get for getting it onto your side, and then another two for that after that. But it really did all come down to the, the war leader being unreasonably resilient I mean it was I think the the la even the last shot the last turn you got a, you got a five to wound and I was like I've got no fate I've got a, a, no wounds left all I need is a six plus I've got an, um, I've got one point of might there and and I got the six to uh, from my um, sigils of defiance roll on the, the the war leader which is a super fate and and that kind of saved me the game because if it had done swung that way it would have swung from a victory to me which was five four to about six or like we'd have both killed the enemy leaders so you'd have got an extra point and i'd have lost two yeah so so i think no wait yeah you, you i'd have lost two which would have given you the uh, the win to four four five or i don't know what. anyway so it would have i think you would have won so aaron it was it was a very very tight game literally coming down to the last roll and me getting a six so i think that kind of says it all doesn't it i'm i'm i'm, I'm not afraid to admit that i got lucky and, and i won it based on that but either way you, you you played it perfectly and i don't think there was anything you could have done differently other than maybe changing if you deployed more guys then maybe that would have worked differently and i'd have i might have ended up stomping around the board slowly rather and not killing as much stuff but Apples and oranges, you know, these things happen, and I guess uh, bad luck, bad luck led, led the way. So, Aaron, well done at the game. I think, as you said, as said earlier, I think you've won two or three of the games that we played together, and I've now got two, so I'm, I'm, I'm catching up on you. <laughs> You're chipping away at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well done. Best of luck in the rest of the tournament. Uh, thank you. Cheers. Good. Game number five of uh, the gathering in the Grey Havens and playing against Tom Wagg, who uh, I think has become a regular on the podcast, definitely. Uh, we, we seem to clash at lots of different tournaments. Tom, um, so we're playing Contest of Champions. My, my leader is the, the Mummock War leader, of course, um, but I don't get any kills if I trample stuff or even in combat. So how is this going to play out? Well, what, first of all, Tom, what have you got in your army? Well, I have Ragush, the new Orc hero, with a couple of Bat Swarms, a couple of War Griders, a bunch of Orcs, Shagrat, and Grits with pretty much every warrior profile you can get in Mordor because I like to have a bit of everything because Strength 5 is nice, Morgul Stalkers are cool with two attacks, Trackers are always good for five points. Yeah, and we'll hear more about them in a bit. Uh, so so in, uh, when you first saw the ar uh, army, you know, the Grand Legion of the South, it, it's, it's, a, it's an intimidating profile. You've got, you know, I can hide my Suladan and my uh, uh, rest of my riders at the back. And the Mummock starts in the middle, First of all, what did you actually think you had a chance here? Um, well, I came to 50-50s. Yeah. Um, at first it was doing, I thought, 3-0 loss. I'd probably break, game ends. Your leader doesn't get any kills because he's on top of a big mummock and it's 3-0. And it's over in 20 minutes if the roll-off goes. Which, but yeah, um, but then I thought about it a bit and I was like... I have some high wound models that can be in front of my leader yeah. and take a trample. 
Exactly, and, and the bats were the high wound model. So, so essentially, the start of the game was uh, Rasgush deploys, and in front of him was two sets of bats. Well, was one, at first. Uh, one set of bats at first, and then um, once you jiggled around a bit, it was it was two sets of bats, Shagrat, Guritz, then then Ragdush. So it's going to be a quite a quite a trample, and those bats were absolutely the right choice, weren't they? I mean, the, the first couple of tramples, I, I failed to kill the bats. It was it it really really stopped the mummock in his tracks. Yeah, um, the bats just got unlucky from taking a lot. He did four wounds to the bats from shooting. Yeah, so yeah, it, um, it evened out with the tramples not being too good, but it stopped you trampling my leader. Um, and sh you rolled poorly to trample Shagrat, so it balanced out. Yeah, I think bo both times I got Shagrat, I only got the two wounds each, which is, which you know, I'm, I'm, I'm relying on, yeah, one, one on the first one and then two wins on the second one. So it wasn't very good, but to be fair, as you say, I did win all the early roll-offs and every single heroic move I got was perfect. I didn't cancel many of yours, but it didn't matter because I got mine. One out of three. Yeah, one out of three or something like that. So, so not great, but... The trample, the trample, the trample, stop, the stop, the stop. But every time I stopped, of course, you're charging lots of strength four, strength five models in, lots of spears. Your courage was absolutely on fire. Yeah, it was probably a bit above average, but I have a lot of courage four and three, which are like average courage, so. And, and you had the, the army bonus, yeah, yeah. of course, which, which counteracted my harbinger of evil on the moment, so. Yeah, the only thing that was constantly failing was grits, but. <laughs> But he doesn't get the army bonus, so he's coached too. So he's just like, I will get you. <laughs> He'll get, I'll get you. Uh, but uh, in, eventually, I think it was two of, two turns of combat. You did three wounds each. Uh, no, no, it was three, three and two. Okay. The other wound was from your own archers. Oh yeah, yeah. I, but I did kill a bat that by yeah. doing that basically. So uh, that was that was worth it. And um, and then the final turn. Uh, you, you really piled in everything. I'd sent Suladan in by now uh, to try and peel off some of the blokes because there were just so many guys there. And to be fair, they were doing a fair amount of work um, at the back. I, I think I did eventually break you. Um, but the crucial thing here was you were just throwing in anybody you could to get into the mummock to try and do the wounds, including Team Delta, you call them, of your trackers. Yeah, Del Team Delta of two trackers. I, I had three that could charge. The first two passes, there was room for two. First two pass courage tests, they got in. And... Crucially, Grit's got in on that last turn, yeah. and he only needs fours when he two hands and piercing, and he did no wounds. Yeah. And the two trackers did two wounds. Yeah. And and that's all you needed. I think you'd done enough wounds by that point to to take the mummock out, and then cue everything falling out the thing. But which I, I thought, well, this could go my way because if the war leader survives. He can actually now start killing stuff for the Contest of Champions. Razgush is really far back behind and there's really far away from any of my troops. So it, it actually, once he'd survived, it actually made, it kind of changed the game into a completely different kind of game where we're actually chasing the kills again. Yeah, I probably should have just killed you and took a 3-0 with yeah. the break-in, but I got greedy. Yeah. Um, and then remembered that you can kill your leader again now because he's not on a mummock. So yeah, exactly. it made an interesting last couple of turns. You got two kills, I got three, yeah. just about. Just about, on the last turn it was it was very close, but uh, I managed to break you by yeah. one model in the yeah. end as well. The Lavoie leader getting his second kill was the only kill on the last turn from your side, yeah. and it broke me. Yeah, exactly, his, his, his mighty strength five uh, uh, beefy arms did it. But alas, it wasn't enough, as you say, it was 4-1 it was to you, so you got the break, I didn't break, uh, yeah, sorry, didn't break. we both broke each other. But crucially, you got the one, uh, one more of the, uh, the the killing count. Which, which to be fair, when I went into this, I was thinking, chances are I've 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 nailed it. But I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't imagining coming up against so many <laughs> four wound models and four wound models you're, you're unlikely to trample to death. So. Yeah, it was interesting. It was a head thinker. Um, but yeah, 
what happened happened in the end. There was a lot of funny moments, and there was, there was, it was a really good game. It was interesting. Lots to think about. Uh, Tom, uh, good luck in your next round because that puts you on four and one, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, four and one. Playing so. for the podium position potentially. Yeah, it depends on how many draw. Yeah. There's a few. I know there was a draw in game four, so there's there's two people on three wins and a draw, and then I think there was a couple of people on four wins before this, so. We'll see what happens on the other results, but either way, just before we go, and um, the the new le- war, uh, uh, the new model, the orc model, Zagdush or Ragdush or Razgush or whatever he's called. And um, what what did you think to him? Because the the ability to take the bats is obviously a, a absolute huge boon to the army. But he himself didn't do a lot in that scenario. But I guess usually he, he's pretty good. Has he been doing okay in the tournament? Hasn't been in as many combats as I would have liked. Um, it's been a lot of games where you don't want to really give a put him in a stupid position um, but yeah it's just bringing the bats I haven't played a single elf so that all those rules he has has been irrelevant but I think the bats are worth it yeah absolutely alright Tom good luck in your next round uh, we're on to round number 6 which is a hold objective scenario let's see what that brings so game 6 the grand finale of the Grand Army of the South and we're playing Domination uh, in the final round here at the Gathering of the Grey Havens and playing Jakob Kroxmal who of course uh, I think we've spoken to multiple times on the podcast for various wins but also played a couple of times um, Jakob you're, you're renowned for bringing some uh, y- yellow alliances and I believe you call this the grand uh, the final yellow alliance or the last yellow alliance something like that yes the last yellow alliance and this one is actually Rivendell which fits but with Army of Lake Town, uh, Rivendell is led by Glorfindel and Curden, who gives Army of Lake Town all the all auras they need. And then Army of Lake Town is just typical a Master of Lake Town, Bilbo, uh, Bilbo. I'm getting ahead of myself, uh, Braga and Alfred. Then there's also Bilbo, just for uh, from Rivendell, just as a cheap ring bearer. And, and this is something you, you, you pointed out that is the, the forgotten... Um, character almost in Rivendell because he appears in the the, uh, the random bit in the middle of the book but he's actually in the Rivendell army list so brings you the ring bearer halving fight value really good addition isn't it oh yes uh, for 40 points for a guy who is quite survivable despite defense too as trampling him by the Mumek showed uh, he's got might point he's got a ring and even if he doesn't do anything then he det- he just makes opponent think twice about in engaging anything with their valuable heroes around him absolutely so and um, so with that in mind domination and um, of course this is a scenario that i'm not particularly uh, in favor of i've got all most of my guys on uh, the mummock uh, and the rest of them are quite flimsy so going into the game did you fancy your chances and did you have a, a strong plan uh, in order to win so my plan was basically not to get trampled in the first place and then just try to move around the buildings because our board was had a lot of uh, strong line-of-sight blockers, like big buildings, that Mumek has trouble to go around. So I just wanted to use this to my advantage and somehow uh, get all the objectives around Mumek, kill the Serpent Riders. Uh, and I, I, knew, I didn't expect to kill the thing because going straight at him just means you're relying on winning all the uh, all the heroic move roll-offs uh, so 
I think I did what I wanted and it worked. Yes, absolutely. Uh, as Jakob's hinting at, he, he did win uh, win this game. I think it was, was it 8-1 in the end? 8-1. Um, so you got most of the objectives. Uh, as you say, you... I think you did. You pulled out, pulled an absolute blinder. You, you had this massive building, a really enormous bit of terrain in the centre. Uh, well, it's not a centre; it's more off to one corner. Um, but it's so long; it must be uh, 18 to 20 inches long. And um, you deployed most of your army behind this uh, this bit of terrain. And then I had to decide which way to go, to go either left or right. And you, you, you used Braga's marches. He gets these free marches on a four plus, so he can. Push, push your troops really quickly around and redeploy. So it, it meant that I didn't ever get that big trample off that I'd wanted to because I had to commit either go behind the, the building or, or in front of it. And yeah, that, that it just, you kind of run rings around me almost. Oh, yes. But still, I think the most important bit wasn't actually engaging the Mumek himself, but getting rid of the most of the Serpent Riders with Suladan in basically one turn of combat. And this allowed me to climb the objectives around the middle of the board where two objectives and the Mumek were with relatively few weak guys. Yeah, so, so I, 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 I kind of, I, I almost wanted you to come in because I wanted the to get Glorfind, pull Glorfindel away from who he was uh, and try and entice him into the middle and, and then maybe I'd be able to trample over him. Um, I did end up getting one trample off against him and take his horse out and do a wound, but it wasn't quite enough. So I... But you're probably right, I, I should have played perhaps a lot more cautiously with my Serpent Riders, running around the field, maybe trying to mop up the, the Lake Town that you've left on the, the other guards. But I was, I was worried that if I did that, that I would, you would just kind of keep running in circles and, and just capture the objectives that I've left behind. Oh yes, you, you summed it up pretty well. Uh, running around is one thing you can do against the Mumak, unless you ha really have something that can kill it, like King of the Dead. But Lake Town Guards with Strength 3 are not, even though they pass Carriage Test because of Curden, they're not meant for killing Mumex. No, exactly. But you did come very close. You, you got it down to nine, uh, nine wounds caused, so only one wound left. Uh, and I did pretty much take out all your might in the end, I think. Uh, you may have one left on Glorfindel, uh, or was it was there any more left? I don't think so. No, it was all the might, so everything went as planned. Yeah, sort of. I, it all, all timed out perfectly at the end. If, you had, if we had one more turn, then maybe... It was down to priority, and that would have been a trample. But uh, it timed out perfectly. Jakob, you played it uh, absolutely perfect. Run, ring, run rings around me until, until I got bored and uh, <laughs> tried to charge in when I didn't need to. Uh, as ever, a cracking game. Uh, I always learn a lot when playing you, so uh, well done. And I think that pushed you on, what is it, 4-2, and two, is it? Or 5-1? and one? Or what's the, what's the score for you for the weekend? That's 4-2, and two, yeah. unfortunately, only. But, well, things happen. Dice, yeah. dice happen. Yeah, and uh, you, usually you'd like to see yourself at the top tables, but yeah, I, I think you can be proud of the performance you put in here. It's not an easy, not an easy one to get a, get your head around, but uh, cracking game, and, and hopefully we'll talk talk again soon. I'm sure. Hopefully we'll talk again soon, maybe in a different different version of yeah. an interview. <laughs> yes, absolutely. As the winner at the end of the podcast, who I'll talk to in a few minutes' time. Woo! So there you go. There you go. I, I mean. I guess it's a little bit disappointing um, to lose this the the, uh, the all not all of the games obviously but you know to lose a couple games and uh, and drop them but actually I'm I'm really proud of myself to have done so well in this tournament like I just finishing with this I mean you can tell I'm flummoxed I'm not often lost for words but I think I I, I genuinely wasn't expecting to do this well and I feel like 
obviously I did a bit of sort of trampling of people and uh, and you know I got a few lucky combinations I was I did my shooting was pretty good and um you know uh, uh it was I was quite lucky that people didn't die especially against um Aaron um with his corsairs I was very lucky that my um no, well, I don't know I don't know if I try and do the maths it's probably not that out of the ordinary but anyway um, I'm I, I was felt like I was quite lucky to survive the shooting from the crossbows um for four or five turns of 12 crossbow shots but I don't know if you want to do the mass or not. I don't know how what the actual chances of me surviving that with the the war leader are. But either way, um, I felt lucky, and I felt like I did okay, and and I, I enjoyed the games, and I hope that people I played enjoyed the games as well. Um, you know, I've done well. I've ended up twenty third uh, in the table. So yes, it's bottom half out of forty. Um, but I, I'm pretty damn happy with my record. Um, uh, obviously, my my uh, VP difference was quite poor in the end. Uh, I think it was minus something or other because my wins were very small wins and my losses were large ones. But either way, uh, it was a great, great uh, tournament. Really enjoyed myself, and um, I was amazed and and really proud to find that I, I was voted most sporting at the tournament as well, which is really cool. I got myself a little trophy, uh, took home some paints, uh, some paintbrushes and some paints and things, which was really nice. Even got a bag of chocolates for the way home because we got a, like a £20 voucher for the store, which was really nice. Um, very generous of the host, Charles Sims. Uh, Charles uh, sadly couldn't be there. Um, I mentioned, uh, I'll, I'll mention it in a, in a second actually a bit more, but uh, he, he couldn't be uh, here for the whole tournament because of his... Uh, family issues basically his uh, um, uh, family illness which um, of course I better wish the best uh, for, for his, his family uh, nothing I, I think too alarming but um, I, I, yeah I think he just had to be focusing on his family for the weekend which is absolutely fine um, but we haven't yet uh, spoken about the uh, final so um, I, I'm not going to be speaking to uh, Charles as we say but we need to speak to the winner of the tournament. Um, so in uh, eighth, we've got Aaron Pullen. Oh, in fact, let's do the top ten. James Gilray is in at ten. Jakob Krochmel, we spoke to, uh, is in at number nine. Uh, excellent game against him. Tough one. Aaron Pullen in at number eight. So um, despite despite me winning against him by a very narrow margin, it must be said, um, we uh, he did he he did pull ahead of me by quite some <laughs> uh, some. A huge margin there. Uh, Sean Sproul, um, who we spoke to earlier as well, he is in number seven. David Clubley, six. Dave Farmer, at number five. We've spoken to all the podcast a few times. Tom Wagg, number four, another one of my opponents. So all of my opponents are in the top ten, uh, the, the ones who um, I uh, won, uh, who beat me. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, I can I can, I can, can take that. Um, and uh, Harry Moore in at third. Uh, and David Nixon in the second and in at number one we'll speak to in a second is Jake Banks but either way I'm pretty happy with um, three wins and three losses it's I, I can't can't say can't say fairer than that as far as I'm concerned right let's have a chat with Jake Banks So it comes now to Journey's End here at the Gathering of the Grey Havens and uh, the TO actually isn't here so we don't have an interview with the uh, tournament organiser at the end of the episode because he had to uh, rush off for medical family reasons. Um, But Jake Banks is the winner of the tournament and he's got a Rivendell army list. I've got to to pick his brain because I need need some pointers to to get from from the winner. So uh, first of all, 678 points. 
It's yeah. a, you know the scenario, the order of the scenarios in advance, but we don't know what scenarios are playing at Nice Mix. It's seen as a competitive event. Um, what sort of army did you bring and, and give us an idea of how it works? Okay, so it's, it's 32 models, uh, Rivendell, Glorfindel, a captain, mounted with a lance, no shield, and, and Kierden. And then just infantry, so um, max bows, um, and yeah, it basically worked in my favour. The tournaments, the scenarios were ones where I could often be quite defensive, which I think elves are brilliant at defending because mm-hmm. Kierden puts the auras, and then uh, you can sit there all game pretty much and... And Glorfindel had an amazing tournament. He kind of stormed the camp, retrieval, and on domination at the end as well. He kind of let the army defend, and then he got into combat, killed a few guys, and then went and got the objectives. And uh, he ended up basically, because of the 12-inch movement, he, he, he did a lot of, he just got a lot of objectives. He, he can really catapult himself on, fr- from one place to another and, and suddenly be either out of the way or on top of people, I guess. It's great. Exactly, yeah. It's like a 24-inch kind of threat range with him because he gets into a combat, fires him the other end of the board, and then uh, I think I got in three games that, that, that basically worked for me. Storm the camp, retrieval, and domination, so I was really happy. And this is, this is your first tournament that I've heard of that you've, uh, that you've come uh, top of. So, I mean, first of all, how, how do you feel about that? Is that right? I'm, I'm right. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So, I've, I only started playing sort of last summer, mm-hmm. and uh, my first tournament was Imps. Yeah, um, Lord of the Imps. Woo! Coming <laughs> in October this year. <laughs> I will be there, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I've, I've kind of just been getting sort of like maybe half wins kind of thing until now, and it's a big shock to win. So, I'm, I'm like incredibly happy. Like, so. Yeah, yeah, because because you must have played some pretty tough games against some uh, top uh, top table competitors uh, over the over the course of the weekend. Was were there any standout uh, things that really made you uh, scratch your head? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I think so. I had a game against Harry last game. It's um, Harry Moore, yeah. Yeah, um, and yeah, I kind of I think I got quite lucky on one turn of shooting. I got quite a few kills, and then the first round of combats, everything swung in my favour um, mm-hmm. in terms of like. Because there was a lot of sort of 50-50 sort of roll-offs that went my way early on, uh, so I managed to reduce his model count significantly in that game, um, and it winning nine nil on domination on that one. But um, I think you know the first couple of turns hadn't gone so heavily my way. It might have been a different story. Mm, yeah. um, David Farmer's uh, game was really really tough. Um, He's got a, a sort of Urukai Mordor combination, hasn't he? We've got Shagrat and. Some other Urukai heroes. I can't remember exactly the combination. Yeah, so I was, I was just really happy to get out of that with a with a draw. It was three all that on uh, retrieval. Mm. Glorfindel got the objective and he broke me. So um, it was very tough. I, he sort of marched first turn. Mm-hmm. So it was I was basically spent the whole game um, just defending my objective. And again, did the heroic com. Well, I don't think it was heroic combat, but I I, I did manage to get Glorfindel up the other end. And it was a draw. Did you say yeah? It was a draw. Three three. Um, but uh, it, was, it was quite a stressful game. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Kierden was great in that game because he, he was very, to be honest, he was very unlucky because he got shagged right into Kierden on something like the th- second turn of combat, I think it might have been, and um, fluffed the roll, only did like one wound, um, or I think he may, maybe two wounds and he passed his fate. And then the Aura of Dismay just was awesome. Like all, all, all fight, it was, I, I never thought the Hidalgo was hold up that long, but uh, they did and yeah. So I was really happy to just get out of that with a draw, I think, and then uh, and yeah, just played some really good guys, really really tough games. Like um, 
yeah, just really happy to, to get the win. And so, so does this now give you sort of more confidence to go on to other tournaments with a with a kind of winning hat on rather than perhaps, you know, being newbie, a bit more cautious, a bit more, you know, just to have a laugh and, and play the game? Are you are you now thinking, oh, I've got a chance, I can, I can compete here? <laughs> Let's just see how the next one goes. And, um, yeah, I'm going to Scouring in a couple of weeks. So um, that's the next one. Taking Galathrim, like loads of models, um, and uh, Galadriel, Haldir, and a captain. So that'll be fun. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I was just going to say, but for, for 678 points, 32 elves with Gorfandel as the leader, is you've, you've managed to pack a lot in there and Curdan. So you've got quite a lot of lot of stuff to play with there. Yeah, I think it's. I think this list works really well around the sort of like 700 po- point mark. I think when you go over it, because the warbands are mainly full here. Yeah. So um, because Curdan's obviously a minor hero, mm. um, you can't really get that many more models out of this. At 700, yeah. it kind of peaks, I think. Yeah. Um, whereas at 800, in the next tournament, I'm taking Lothlorien because that's when I like to go sort of 80 models of Gladriel, 50 models of Haldir, mm. 12 models of Captain. You get a lot of numbers, which yeah. I really, really like. So, um, And then th- with this list, it's just no knights. Yeah. So uh, it allows me to get sort of max infantry. Yeah. And um, that's what I... That's what I like doing. <laughs> well, amazing, Jake. As I say, you know, it, it's it's not easy. This, this, there's a lot of uh, tough players, and you, you pulled a draw against Dave Farmer, who's a tournament winner regularly, and Harry Moore in the end of getting a win from him. So, you know, this is no mean mean feat. So, congratulations, and best of luck in the uh, couple of weeks' time at, uh, at the, the scouring of Cheshire, and I'll hopefully see you there, and maybe you'll be at the top podium again. We might hear from you again. Yeah, thanks so much. There you go, Jake Banks there, winner of the Gathering of the Grey Havens. Well done to him. Uh, and he did say that he was a little bit nervous. Of us uh, about doing that chat there so I really appreciate you stepping out uh, to the side at the end of the tournament and um, and having a bit of a chat with me talking through your army and everything else um, I think I said earlier I won four out of the six games that's wrong I got three obviously you've, you've worked that out um, maybe I didn't or not but I, either way I was pretty happy to get two wins on the first day um, and a, a second win on the third day even if it was a narrow narrow one but I, I just think it shows um, I'm getting that half and half ratio um, when I run decent armies and, and a lot of the players that I uh, played against um, who beat me were in the top 10 um, at the end of the tournament and um, and even uh, Aaron who I did beat very narrowly he was in the top 10 as well so I think I, I think it'd be fair to say unlike in the slow grow league I played well against some tough um, tough competitors in the slow grow league you know faced a couple of younger players and uh, more inexperienced players uh, and did quite well on the uh, first run of the slow grow league we'll see how that changes um, as the slow grow league develops and I play increasingly high quality competitors but still um, I think I should be proud of this I'm almost tempted to take the mummock um, to the scouring of Cheshire, but the pull of the Easterlings is strong. It's very strong. I'm very excited. Um, next time you hear from me, it will be the uh, scouring of Cheshire, which is an 800-point tournament up in Manchester, or the outskirts of Manchester in Stockport. Uh, it's a huge event. Um, Steve Crow always puts on a great show, great tournament. Love the venue at Element Games. It's It's got a bar and all that sort of stuff, and it's all in one, one little place. I'm staying in Airbnb around the corner. Really looking forward to it. And saying hello to some Entmoot patrons. Uh, I know a few people have commented um, in the Entmoot patrons exclusive Facebook group about the fact they're going so if you are coming along 
do please come and say hello. I'll be wearing an Entmook t-shirt. Um, and do say hello because I don't know what you look like, um, a lot of the patrons in particular. So do come along um, and say hello. And if you are there, I, I, I think I pretty much know who is going to be there. And I'll be able to hand over Entmook dice and patron uh, measuring widgets. We've got those little six-inch widget things um, branded up with Entmoots on them. So if you want uh, to get your hands on some exciting gadgets and gizmos like well, dice and um, and an Entmoot uh, measurer, then do consider joining and uh, and supporting the podcast on patreon.com slash battle games in Middle Earth. Uh, talking of battle games in Middle Earth, I mentioned at the start, there's a, I've got a couple of videos of some new painting. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, sped, I painted them quite quickly and uh, knock the videos out quite quickly and so it's just a sort of a little bit of an inspiration perhaps just something to put on the background while you're watching so do have a look uh, sorry while you're painting so do have a look on the the old um, Facebook page and the video uh, page on YouTube as well Battle Games in Middle Earth that's pretty much it until next time we'll get Ritabi and Brawgear and the Easterlings back on the table maybe we can improve on this three out of uh, three sorry three out of six wins looking forward to it Until next time.